Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast. Today, we are talking about entering into a business purchase contract before due diligence has occurred and to talk about this interesting matter and a case that is going to be right on point here, we have the fabulous Elizabeth Lee back to talk to us again. Hi, Liz. Welcome back to this show. Hi, Joanna. Thank you for having me back. Great. Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about this case, Broughton and B&B Group Investments, which is a case that was decided just a few months ago, all about due diligence. But maybe let's start right back from the beginning. Let's just, for our listeners who aren't across all of this terminology in the um, merger and acquisition space, what is due diligence? So due diligence is something that a purchaser undertakes um, in relation to buying and selling business. That can occur before the parties have even signed a, a contract. So, you know, when you're interested in buying a business, you will want to do a bit of research uh, and reassurance about the strengths and qualities of the business. But more importantly, once you've entered into a contract to buy a business, you might want to preserve that right to continue to undertake due diligence. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're talking about due diligence here, I, I think it's also important for us to be clear that, that there's many different types of due diligence. And mostly we think of the accounting due diligence and the legal due diligence. So from the accounting side, we're verifying the figures. So we're looking at the figures of the business. And from a legal side, we're verifying the legal backbone or foundation of the business. So we're looking at a number of things to ascertain the level of risk a buyer believes is likely to be in a business that they're buying. And of course, we can have all sorts of other due diligence as well. For example, technology due diligence, IT, and all sorts of other due diligence. So yes, that's correct. You know that there's employment related issues too that you might want to check and test to make sure that your assumptions and that the information that you've been given are correct. Absolutely. So then now that we've established what due diligence is, as you rightly said, there's a number of different times that due diligence can occur. And so due diligence can occur before a contract is entered into. And sometimes it may even occur before full commercial terms are entered into. But generally speaking, the due diligence will occur after the parties have agreed on a price and the general commercial term. And sometimes prior to signing a contract, and sometimes it will continue after signing the contract. And in this particular case, we're looking at it looked like due diligence was either completely occurring or at least partly occurring after the execution of the contract, but before completion of the contract. So completion being when all of the business is finally passed over from the seller to the buyer of the business. Yes, correct. Liz, tell us what in this particular case, how did the contract deal with this issue that the parties are entering into a contract for the sale and purchase of this business? However, the buyer wanted the option to be able to get out of the final purchase of the business, so final completion, subject to due diligence. So how was this dealt with in the contract? So this contract involved the 
sale and purchase of a boutique hotel in Melbourne. The parties entered into the contract uh, with a condition precedent that enabled the purchaser to continue to conduct due diligence after they had exchanged the contract. Mm -hmm. And the condition precedent was worded very broadly, which enabled the purchaser to basically terminate the contract by giving notice within three days of it completing its due diligence. And it was as broadly worded as that, it did not specify whether or not the purchaser had to find something wrong with it, the degree of, of the misinformation that it found um, in its due diligence. It was just a very broad and general right to terminate after it had completed its due diligence. And so I guess here what we really have in, in a commercial sense is a buyer who's saying, well, look, how about we exchange on this deal so that you can't accept any other offers whilst I take a look at the business and if I don't like it or if I don't want to continue for any reason, I can just say within three days after completion of my due diligence that we don't want to go ahead. So effectively the buyer thinks in this situation they're putting themselves in in the position of power as to whether or not they want to continue with the purchase of the business, irrespective of the results of the due diligence process. Yes, that's right. In effect, the buyer had an option, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. in relation to this sale and purchase uh, transaction. Yeah, okay. And certainly we often see buyers wanting to find ways where they can exercise control like this. And, you know, it's understandable. So what was the issue and what did the court say? So what happened was, you know, there was a series of correspondence regarding the, the lease for, for the building and as well as financial results. It was quite extensive mm-hmm. due diligence on the financials. But what had happened here was that the trial judge found that uh, it was necessary for there to be a link between termination and there being unsatisfactory due diligence results, even though the contract didn't specify it. And for that reason, the trial judge found in favour of the vendor and concluded that the purchaser had breached the contract by by terminating the, the contract, even though it was not significantly influenced by the due diligence results. Wow, this is, and I find this a fascinating result because it's really interesting if parties, you know, come to an agreement together, something that's set out in writing, then to have the situation where a court might say, well, notwithstanding, you have clearly agreed one thing, we as a court believe that, you know, that would result in an unfair result. <laughs> so we'll be importing some other meanings into the contract or implying other meanings into the contract. Yes, that's right. Particularly with the need for the unsatisfactory results to be of a significant nature. Mm. And so I think this has some really important lessons then for advisors like brokers and accountants and other M&A consultants who are working in the sales and acquisition space in terms of helping to broker deals where they intend that contracts are going to be exchanged before both parties have absolutely committed to the process because obviously in this instance, using condition precedent in this way to give one of the parties a right to get out of the deal can be dangerous. There's a risk that a court will interpret the contract in a different way. Yes, that's right. You know, the case did go on to uh, be appealed by the uh, purchaser and on appeal, the court 
did find in favour of the purchaser in the end, well, yes and no, in that the, the court found that there didn't need to be a, a significant adverse result for the purchaser to walk away from the contract. But nonetheless, the court still gave it a construction which required there to be a linkage between there being an unsatisfactory result and termination. Mm. And so, and and it comes back, I think, to this concept where whenever we are trying to rely on a termination clause, you have to be absolutely careful about the way in which you practically go about dealing with the termination. So in this instance, the lesson probably was from the legal perspective, it would have been better to have identified issues that arose or, or were highlighted during the due diligence process, because it seems like the courts would have have looked more favourably upon termination if those sorts of issues had have arisen in this instance or had been highlighted and pointed to. So I think here we have issues that relate firstly to accountants and brokers and, and consultants that are part of that initial deal negotiation in relation to you know whether or not they'll let they'll recommend that their clients get committed before if there's still due diligence that's continuing. And Mm. secondly, the way that these clauses are drafted, this case certainly suggests that we need to have really tight clauses to ensure there's no other interpretation that a court can give them if they come under scrutiny. And I guess thirdly, it's about how we deal with termination if we need to and about making sure that you're building up the best argument for termination, even if you think the the contract is very clear on the rights of the parties to terminate and to not continue with completion under the sale and purchase. Yeah, yes, correct. I mean, how you would, you know, draft a Determination right really would depend on whether you're acting for or, or the purchaser. You know, if, if you're the vendor, you'd want to make sure that the, the rights to terminate are really limited and that those limited rights are very clearly articulated in the contract. You, you wouldn't, certainly from a vendor's perspective, you wouldn't agree to a, a broad brush sort of right to terminate without any linkage to specific events. Yeah, you're absolutely right because I guess for a lot of this episode here, we've really been talking about the buyer's perspective, but you're 100% right in that, you know, from the seller's perspective here, it sounds like they signed up to a pretty bad deal initially, you know, signing up to a contract where they were bound, but effectively on the pure reading of the contract, the buyer wasn't bound, but, you know, obviously the court had some sympathy for them along the way. But absolutely, from a vendor perspective, it's really important that they're careful that they're not caught in a contract that they can't get out of, but that the buyer can. Yes, that's correct. All right, brilliant. Well, look, I think we've covered some really useful topics there. I think there's some really strong warnings for brokers and consultants that help drive these deals and, you know, certainly for vendors and prospective buyers themselves here about some of the issues of exchanging on a contract before Both parties know for sure that they're going to continue. And, you know, if you're going to exchange whilst still preserving a right for getting out of the contract if 
DD is completed and there are issues that are highlighted, you know, the importance, particularly from the vendor's perspective, of understanding exactly where those measures are that would give the buyer the right to terminate. Excellent. All right. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today, Liz. Obviously, if people have questions about how this particular issue could apply to their business sale or purchase, uh, they can contact you, Liz, through our, uh, our website at thedealroompodcast.com or through aspectlegal.com.au. If you'd like more information about this topic, head over as I said, to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you want to read it in more detail. And you'll also there find details of how to contact Liz and the rest of our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. Thanks a lot for tuning in, Liz. Hopefully, you'll come back and join us again very soon as we drill into another issue relating to buyers and sellers of businesses. Thanks, Joanna. Looking forward to it. Great. Okay. And thanks for listening in. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.